find truth and preservation of our soul shine. I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Let it All Things in the Name of Love, Episode 6, Navigating the Life of an Empath with Michelle Anita Werda. This is probably something a lot of you will probably get when we're done with the conversation. And so I just want to give a brief introduction to Michelle. I've known Michelle since 2011. She's an amazing human being, or rather an amazing soul having a human experience. She has worked as an intuitive life and transformational coach and entrepreneur since 2006. She's worked with hundreds of private clients doing soul translation for life and business alignment and specializes in empowering empathetic creatives like herself. Having decades in personal growth and a background in psychology, energy work, and teaching, Michelle offers in-depth yet deeply practical support through mindset mentoring, meditation, and programs on empathy, HSPs, highly sensitive persons, and for sensitive creative entrepreneurs, she playfully dubs entrepreneurs. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for being here. Yay. I am so grateful to be here. Thank you so much, Erica. You're so very welcome, love. <laughs> We're going to so, have fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course we are, because it's us. <laughs> So I'm going to start out with a very basic question for you. Yeah. When did you first realize you were an empath? Well, uh, <laughs> when I actually first realized was probably, uh, well, truly was around when I was three years old, but I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, the reason why I say that is because I, I've had a couple near-death experiences in my life and um the first one happened when I was three. Wow. And um, I had, it was a surgery and I had the whole disembodied experience and, uh, you know, had, was able to connect with my mom who was watching the surgery. And, and it was a, a very beautiful near-death experience. Um, but the reason why I was starting to check out was because I had started to take on a lot of the pain um, uh, in the family I was surrounded with you know, as many of us can have growing up, um, I had a lot of dysfunction around me around addiction and we moved a lot and it was just a, you know, it was a stressful family in many ways, a beautiful family in, uh, in many other ways. But uh, so I had this near-death experience and um, I had tuned into my mother as she was watching the surgery and um started to, I was, I was in the situation because I was highly sensitive and taking on other people's energies. Mm. And then through this, this near death experience, I was also having what I call the non-corporal or not, or the disembodied uh, empathy mm. for my mom, who was having an extreme anxiety attack because she thought I was going to die, which interestingly enough was happening at the same time um, that I was having my out-of-body near-death experience. Wow. And I was tending to her as a little mm -hmm. three-year-old spirit. I was tending to her uh, anxiety because I could, you know, was feeling it and sensing it. So when I say three years old, you know, that was my first real memory, um, which was a pretty intense yeah. one. But I, I didn't remember that until, of course, you know, my, as a teenager and, and far much mm -hmm. later. So uh, I can say that that's probably the first time now that I'm now that I have that memory. Um, I can say that's probably the first time I'm very aware of how empathic uh -huh. 
fantastic wow. I was and am. So, yeah. So how did you yeah. navigate your early childhood in this uh, tumultuous environment? Hmm. Well, being the natural caregiver uh, that I am, which most, you know, highly empathic people are, um, and being highly sensitive. So there is a little bit of a difference between the two, but I, I basically took care of everybody on an energetic level, an emotional level, mm -hmm. and um, even in some ways, a, you know, a physical level, like um, you know, through affection, through cooking <laughs> food, when people were um, otherwise uh, uh, incapacitated, shall we put it that okay. way? Um, <laughs> so I really, I stepped a lot into the caregiving role, um, which is very, very natural mm -hmm. um, for a lot of empathic and highly sensitive people, but it also uh, can and end up uh, being quite a um, unfortunate expectation that that's all you can do. Uh, you can, we can get lost in that caregiving role. And I certainly did, uh, in many ways. So it's, it's like that thing of one of your greatest strengths can become something, um, uh, like your Achilles heel, mm -hmm. you know, the thing that you have to learn not to do so much and to do it in a healthier way. So it's, um, so it was, um, it was a really perfect family <laughs> for me to uh, become uh, more and more of who I already was born to be. <laughs> mm. So, yeah. So uh, you mentioned how to navigate, which I'm sure you didn't do when you were little, but how to get the boundaries set in and understand that you need to care for yourself. What was that process? Um, well, that's, that didn't come till much later in life. And, you know, of course, in all honesty, it's an ongoing learning process. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and gratefully so, you know, it's also a big part of my, of my spiritual path. And also the reason um, I do the work that I do is because uh, when we are empowering our true self and also learning how to be connected, um, yet also our own, you know, our own person, not getting lost in the worlds and lives and realities of other people, having boundaries is, is, the uh, is an ultimate healthy self-care practice it's a self-respect practice and a lot of people you know uh, what i find and what i did for a long time is i resisted having boundaries because i thought it meant i was a bad person if i you know wanted to be a little less connected mm -hmm. <laughs> um you know i thought that i was abandoning the other person um which for empaths can be a very challenging um, idea mm -hmm. because of our connection with others. We don't, one of our kind of nemesis, uh, emotionally is abandonment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but we can also, many of us can end up abandoning ourselves because of not having boundaries. Um, so, and that was my experience for sure. Um, you know, years of anxiety, um, being, in relationships where my needs weren't getting met, um, saying yes to so many things that I really had no desire to do. I mean, it sounds like it's kind of like the classic, you know, uh, uh, the welcoming mat, mm -hmm. you know, being a doormat for everybody. I wouldn't say I was so much a doormat because I have a really strong uh, kind of rebel side. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, so I don't want to like paint this really um helpless picture but my internal uh world very much so was one where i had high expectations to to take care of everybody else to not disappoint other mm -hmm. people to not abandon other people to not uh ever do anything that would make somebody else feel unaccepted unloved or uh you know uh judged in any way um, because I was often, as an empath growing up, I, I was judged a lot for being so sensitive. Um, so boundaries, learning how to take care of myself and 
uh, be honoring of my own energy, my own emotional needs, basically letting my energy flow and uh, in healthy ways, mm-hmm. uh, but also at the same time, you know, not making excuses for other people's behavior, not making excuses even for my own behavior sometimes. All of these things have been my own um, deepening and, and, and empowering, um, learning how to empower myself for being a highly sensitive, empathic, creative, intuitive person in a world where, you know, and I know that you can relate to this, Erica, because, you know, you've been on your own spiritual and personal growth journey and seeing how, you know, a lot of the world really wants us to be in control, competent in our heads um, and not so sensitive. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, you know, you when we learn to really love ourselves as being the empaths and sensitives that we are, that's like a really empowering boundary uh, because then we don't buy into the stuff that the rest of the world says you have to be in order to be acceptable. Then we just get to be ourselves. Yeah. So it's a really, that's a really good one. That is a beautiful thing. Cause I know for me, one of the things that I've had on my path is becoming aware of the stories that I've picked up from my family and from previous lives, like all these limiting beliefs about myself that I know aren't true. Yeah. And pretty much every day is something new because the spiritual path isn't like, hey, I got here. (laughs) I am done. No, it's like, oh, I found another. I I feel like I'm one of those Russian dolls. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, (laughs) for those of you who don't know, it's it's like 10 or 12 or even 20 dolls stacked on top of each other as a complete doll. And you take want the top one apart and then the next one's in and then you keep going down to the bottom and that's kind of the unraveling of the social expectations versus who you really are and you know that's mm-hmm. i just had this funny memory when you were saying that erica i'd love to share <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> because my my dad used to be uh, he used to do work with Russia, the Soviet Union, or whatever it was called back then, and I had a lot of those dolls, and and I just had this flashback memory when you were saying that, which I love, which was, I would, you know, do you remember the tiny, tiny little doll, the the inside, inside Mm -hmm. doll? Oh yeah, yeah, like half an inch tall. Mm -hmm. I remember. The only solid one. And I remember being so annoyed by it being so little. (laughs) (laughs) I thought like wait a second you do all this uncovering you take all this apart and then you go on the inside and it's like a little pipsqueak thing like couldn't it be the other way like the one on the inside is like the gem kind of like the diamond inside but but I'm going to flip it on you and say that 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 small little thing is your core (laughs) and it's the light that you really are and through that massive thick beautiful core (laughs) That's what you emanate from. Yeah, maybe it, it it can be seen that way too, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but a five year old doesn't see that. Five year olds, what the hell? Like, what? I do all of this, and then I've got this tiny little doll. Like, come on. So <laughs> lame. So it was really cute too. I remember feeling it. It was a very precious little thing because it was the little little one on the inside. So you know, maybe that is kind of more of an analogy of when we. We get to that precious, you know, true self on the inside. <laughs> I just like mm-hmm. to think of the true self as being pretty infinite. So, well, it is, it is, but within that construct of a framework of understanding the digging process. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also like, you know, the, you know, the onion metaphor, of course, you know, mm-hmm. layers of the onion. And it's usually the inside of the onion that's the sweetest, isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's like the yummy part. Like a, I'm looking on my counter right now. I've got some celery that I'm going to make some celery juice with. And, mm. and I always love to take the outside parts and then eat the inside because it's usually yep. the sweetest. Yep. Yeah. I have a couple like stocks in the fridge that I keep forgetting about. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so. 
when did you settle into your calling? Mm. I was just thinking that you had asked me earlier about the going, uh, when did I know about being an empath? And I think, you know, like I wanted, I'm thank you for asking that because I did want to revisit that because it is, there are so many different stages of our personal growth and of mm-hmm. knowing ourselves. So, you know, the, the three-year-old consciousness of that experience is very different than, you know, the 33-year-old who started to <laughs> get a little bit more of a clue of like, oh, so so I'm naturally this way. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, now my life is starting to make more sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> I would say the... Um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of moments, but it's things have definitely uh, built on themselves again, kind of like the doll <laughs> um, mm-hmm. analogy. Things have both built out and also built inwards um, mm-hmm. with with the knowing. So I would say um, when I was younger, like when I was a teen and in my 20s, it was more of the negative side of hearing everybody's, you know, a lot of people's thoughts, feeling their Mm -hmm. energies, feeling their emotions, not knowing, you know, what was mine and what was theirs. Um, Hence, like I had said earlier, like, you know, many years of anxiety, because I just was Mm -hmm. picking up on so much uh, unconscious uh, um, energies around that I just, you know, it was like walking through the world with pinpricks, you know, feeling like Mm -hmm. I, I always imagined like, I had this fantasy of like, could I just become like the Michelin man, you know, or like the the Charmin, you know, Mm -hmm. wrapped in all the toilet paper. So you don't, didn't feel all of the alleys of the world. Um, But I would say that it was, uh, and then I was also in you know, I was in graduate school and I ended up going into clinical psychology. <laughs> that was a, that was Ooh. brave. <laughs> brave and a little bit, a little bit stupid too, just because I, maybe I was a little bit of a glutton for, for experience. I won't say punishment because that's not very nice, but um, it was definitely in psychology where I started to realize more and more that my intuitive uh, empathic self was um, battling a more with my clinical trained um, heady psychology psychological you know mm. self uh, because I, I don't get that at all what's that <laughs> I said I don't get that at all <laughs> <laughs> we have so many of us inside us don't we uh, mm-hmm. But it became glaringly obvious to me then where, you know, I would be working with clients and I would have all of the, you know, this is what a good therapist does. And, you know, this is how, you know, all the skills and training. And then the Mm -hmm. other part of me, my emotional bodies and my, you know, my own sense of the person empathically and intuitively was feeling a whole different other world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, that often, of course, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't bring that out because I was a therapist, not an intuitive. Um, But it did inform, you know, some of the, I had to do a lot of, that was like the early days of soul translation, to be honest, because I had to do a lot of translating between what empathically and intuitively and also what I was seeing energetically into Mm -hmm. a more, you know, psychologically well-formed response, uh, therapeutic Mm. response (laughs) with the client. That was a fun translation. It was, it was. I I think I got pretty good at it, but it was exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) Because talk about, you know, that whole thing between the head and the heart being, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the longest journeys. And then when you have to do it in a therapeutic hour, it's like, you know, I would see, you know, five, six clients in the day. And also, let me add that I was specializing with working with narcissists. Oh, <laughs> and, well done, hon. Yeah, yeah. So let's just say, you know, in full transparency, I would go home and have a really big glass of red wine. Yeah. 
<laughs> Only one? <laughs> I know, really. Yeah, the, uh, I, sometimes the red wine was followed with a big shot of vodka. <laughs> oh. But, you know, I mean, we all cope in different ways. And, and I mean, I, I never, of course, had any sort of problem. But I was definitely uh, spent many years being highly, being uh, very affected by the, by the choices. Yeah, because you were trying to numb you were trying to numb yourself out from yeah. all of that. I was putting myself because mm-hmm. you didn't have you didn't have the boundaries that you have now. No, I did not have the boundaries. I did not have the awareness, and I was I was doing what was in line with who I am in the sense of being somebody who um, being an energy reader, being somebody who supports others through their spiritual. Uh, and psychological and emotional um, growth. Like that's natural mm-hmm. to me. It's natural to empaths. It's natural to a lot of HSPs. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, yeah, like you said, I was just, you know, I was going into the, I joke and say, you know, because there's the, all the stuff about the the field of consciousness and the quantum field and all that stuff. I, but I, you know, so I was going into the field with absolutely no, um, <laughs> no ways to actually be in the ring, you know what I'm saying? Oh. So, so, but that's, you know, that's why we learn. That's how we learn. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, <laughs> uh, sometimes we don't learn, but, and then we have to go through a lot of those experiences that um, teach us by default. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> So when, when did, uh, or how have you navigated the, um, I don't want to use this word, but it's coming in the battle between the heart and the mind. Um, well then I'm just trying to understand the question. So basically like, so you have this clinical psychology degree Mm -hmm. and you're an intuitive. Mm -hmm. When did you surrender? I like that better. Mm-hmm. When did you surrender the mind's pushing for the heart? Well, I, um, so when I became a life coach and when I went into entrepreneurism, Um, I started to, I did that intentionally because I, you know, I left psychology. First of all, I became a mom and then a single mom. So I didn't really want to, um, you know, I I needed to create a life that was going to fit and I didn't want to be surrounded in, you know, around pathology and psychology. So (laughs) So that's understandable. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting because right before I left, right before I finished doing my um, doctorate, that was actually when a lot of the whole positive psychology movement was coming out and, and gaining speed. Um, that's when the, like Martin Seligman, who's considered the father of positive psychology was the president of the um, American psychological association. So, mm. yeah. So I, I realized uh, that it was like, okay, wait a second. I don't, <laughs> I don't have to do that. I can, mm-hmm. I, you know, what I really want to do is, you know, become a life coach and have more freedom to be able to mm-hmm. be more, to allow that intuitive side to come in as well as the empathic part of me, as well as the creative part of me, as well as, you know, somebody trained to uh, have help, have healing conversations and motivational, inspirational conversations and have the, you know, the abilities to be able to guide that process. Um, Mm -hmm. So becoming a life coach helped me bring those parts in. And then also I was, I went into, um, you know, when I was in branding, I was doing some energy work on the side because I've always been dabbling in energy work in a sense of professionally. I also, you know, had studied it and, and everything, but, um, so that really let me bring those two together more. And I would say now at this point, um, with the empath and HSP work that I do, and also a big part of soul translation and sensate soul, 
Um, I mean, the whole path of soul translation, that really, I'm kind of interrupting myself here, but that was really uh, when I started to uh, go off the scale, shall we say, of empathy, intuition, you know, energy work and it, it, and bringing the, the heart and the mind together as, as you were um, asking. So, um, but really when it comes for me, the what's where I find the place for where both of them meet most beautifully is in the body um, and in our mm. senses. So we can spin around in our heads about things and, and we do usually because we're avoiding our bodies and energetic mm-hmm. systems wisdom. Um, mm-hmm. And really, in order to listen to my heart, I find I have to listen to my body. You know, I have to tune into my, my physical body, my energy bodies, my, my energetic heart, you know, my, my gut, all of those things. And, and that's where I can find my most... Um, pure sensate information and connection. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the head just informs the things that I'm feeling. So um, I really have to go to my senses and my sensate body, my energetic body to really get my, um, get my truth or at least ask the right question there versus in my head. Is that, Totally. I'm sure you get it. I know you get it, my friend. <laughs> so, so, um, all right, a follow up question to that is this process is yeah. helped tremendously by meditation. Um, is, are there any other things? I know for me, being outside a mm-hmm. lot every day really helps me connect. And if the trails weren't so bumpy, I'd go barefoot. <laughs> but my toes don't really like. Yeah. So, but, you know, and, I, and, and you know, I, also- <laughs> I remember that. Day. Do you remember that day you and I took a walk and I was like, Oh, come on, we got to do some earthing. Let's take our shoes off. <laughs> your feet were like <laughs> you were so having so we were having so much fun but then you also like oh my god my my soles and my feet aren't ready for this it's like yeah you know we gotta build up those uh <laughs> feet yeah <laughs> totally do and I, I think it was a cold day too and my feet were just like yeah this is too cold now <laughs> yeah well most of our feet are are pretty uh tender and protected in all of the shoes they that are. we wear and and the rubber soles and, and yeah we have to but yeah we have very different feet from our ancestors <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean when i was doing work on the oregon trail i read something that you know shoes back in the 1840s you didn't have a left and right shoe mm. i didn't think that far like you, you were lucky to have leather on your feet that was you know that was it and and one of the one of the guys who explored the Barlow Road, walked up Mount Hood with holes in his moccasins mm. in the in November. Oh, God. And I'm like, I would not, I so would not do that. I would be freezing my ass off yeah. and whining and, oh, my God, this is so cold. So we've gotten pretty, pretty soft. Give me some Gore-Tex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you said with meditation, I mean, of course, that meditation is always a great returner to ourselves. But one thing with meditation, what I feel is different, how I view meditation is um, it's not as much a mind practice. People speak about mindfulness, and I call it sensatefulness, because really when I'm meditating or when I teach meditation or, you know, my opinion on meditation is that it really ideally is best as a practice that brings us back to our body and back to our senses. And that's what puts us back into the moment, you know, not because of thinking or because of being really mindful. It's more about being in our breath and our bodies, letting our nervous system Mm -hmm. settle, 
you know, it's really a very embodied practice when you're truly um, present. And that's where this, you know, sense being a sensate and being, a, you know, very aware of your senses and using that to, as a way to become more present so that you can find that place where your head and your heart are actually <laughs> communicating and working together versus being lost in the head. And also the other side of that w- would be being so um, uh, expecting, you know, being kind of lost in the heart too and not having mm-hmm. discernment. You know, there's there's two sides of that, of course. So... Um, but other practices, because um, I heard you starting to ask that question earlier. Uh, yeah, being outside and being in nature and, um, you know, taking those times out to really reconnect. You know, it just takes a moment to return to ourselves when we have that intention. So you can do that anywhere, you know, under you can do it by a tree and you can do it in the middle of a concrete mm-hmm. jungle, you know. Wherever you go, there you are. I, I have found that um, I get overstimulated really easily with electronics. Yeah. And so it's been a constant because it's an, it's an addiction. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of it. I've given up many addictions, and this is, the, this is the newest one, of the addiction of the dopamine. Yep. Yeah. And so I'm putting a two-hour-a-day limit on cell phone when I'm not working and online mm-hmm. on, my, on my laptop because anything more than that overstimulates me and I'm so disconnected from the core of me that I can't mm-hmm. feel it. Yeah. Yeah, we are definitely living in the age of distraction for sure mm-hmm. and too much information. And, and yeah, you're totally right on with that with, you know, the amount of um, it's, it's my th- kind of like little, totally casual theory that more people are becoming uh, HSP because of the amount of EMF and because of the Mm -hmm. amount of distraction and electrical um, input that we have um, Mm -hmm. because it's all frequency. And, you know, we're, we're walking around in the world where there are Wi-Fi towers and modems and, you know, people have these incredible computers in their pocket you know, and we're all being uh, in some way, in the way that we can't see, but many of us do feel we're being affected by this total like deluge of, um, of electronics and mm-hmm. of the frequency of electronics. Uh, there's a reason why there are some people who, you know, there's, there's, there's more towns that are beginning to form where there are no <laughs> um, Wi-Fi towers. Wow. You know, because there are people who are highly, 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 highly sensitive mm-hmm. who really, uh, and I know a, a couple of these people who have real difficulties even, you know, being around a, uh, a modem. You know, I have one of my friends, whenever she visits, I have to turn the Wi-Fi off. Wow. You know, we have to go in airplane mode because she can't sleep. You wow. know, she's too... Uh, she, she's, she's, I wouldn't say too affected, but she's highly affected. Mm -hmm. And I say that because of many HSPs and empaths, often we hear this, the whole, you're too this, you're too sensitive, you're too emotional, you're too, you know, uh, you're too much, you know, you're too quiet, you're, you know, too, too, uh, too much paying attention to all the little things, Mm -hmm. you know. All of those things that, you know, many of us hear, but um, so I don't like to say that my friend is, you know, uh, too sensitive because that's certainly not the case. No, she is in tune with who she is. Exactly. Exactly. And she's, you know, highly sensitive and feels those things that, you know, I'm may, I'm very empathic and very energetically, you know, I sense a lot of things, but I don't have that, but she does. Right. So that's, you know, my theory is that we're getting, we are becoming more sensitive because of the amount of uh, influence, <laughs> Fre- yeah. the, the frequency of influence that's all around us. So, and like you said, the dopamine, I mean, yeah, that it's every single time we go on. Um, and I love technology, don't get me wrong. I mean, I totally dig it. But whenever we go on there and we're trying to, 
you know, we get to see what people are doing and what, who's liking what and how, who's liking our stuff and who's shared our stuff and all that. Yeah, you're, you're like you said, it's, it is a dopamine hit, which is like a drug. It's a feel-good drug in our brain. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I've been switching lately because it's, you know, spring is coming in, in Portland and I'm out there two, three hours a day. So I'm training myself to look for birds that are chirping in yeah. trees, mm-hmm. which is really kind of mm-hmm. hard because they hide well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then, but that's my dopamine fix. When I actually find I'm like, yes, I found the whatever. <laughs> I found you, Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> and you're totally, you know, right on with that because that's a funny thing. Um, you know, that, that a lot of people, when we realize, when we learn that our, our brain doesn't know the difference between the real bird chirping and a, like a, something on a meditation, uh, nature sounds that has mm-hmm. water or rain or birds chirping, you know, it, it, it's, it's because of our wonderful technology, you know, we don't have to, even though it is best I think to go out and actually be in the forest, but for mm-hmm. those people who can't or don't have the time, you know, you like one of my absolute favorite apps is the um, Timer Insight Timer, which is a free meditation uh, app. It's just absolutely amazing. It's a really wonderful philanthropic company, um, and they've got you know, there's thousands of meditations and nature sounds and biannual beats and different things that people can listen to. And I use them every single day, uh, you know, a couple times a day to just sometimes tune back into myself. And also with speaking with nature sounds, your brain doesn't know the difference. So Mm -hmm. whether it's actually in a forest or if you're hearing bird sounds. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's right there. All what we need to return to ourselves is just making that, you know, a priority uh, and taking the time out. And then even with our technology, <laughs> we've got the, the, we've got a solution right there. You know, we've mm-hmm. got a way to do it right there. You know? Yeah. It's just, it's a matter of shifting what's important. Yep. And for me, one of the ways I've done it is I just cut off all the, all the big name news sources. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that just, triggers me yeah and i know it yeah so i i mean not everybody has to do this but for me i know that i can go down rabbit holes really quickly Mm -hmm. and so i've had to learn how to channel it and one of the ways i've done it is through my nutrition and my supplements and another way is like getting myself outside every day because i know i know damn well that if i had cable if I watch TV shows, I would watch, I binge. I know this about myself. Mm-hmm. And then I get completely disconnected with who I am. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a process of, of recognizing your Achilles heels mm-hmm. and channeling them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and it's, and I love how you said that too, Erica, because that's the thing about boundaries that is so, can be so kind of mis. uh, misinterpreted Mm -hmm. is because often we know when we think about boundaries like when like when you first started learning about having healthy boundaries like what did you think that what was your kind of gut huh i felt guilt i felt guilt you felt guilt right and a lot of us feel that because we think well if we have a boundary we're being self-indulgent or we're being you know uh we're rejecting something or we're you know there's a lot of negatives that is that can be associated mm-hmm. with boundaries although may i say uh just to add a little female male thing here is that you know guy m- men in general are they're given much more permission to have boundaries mm-hmm. than women are Sure women are. are naturally much more, you know, have a much more ten have many more tendencies to be nurturing and you know giving giving care and everything. I mean, in fact, it's it's interesting. I read this article recently that when women in crisis situations, women will start to um, develop more oxytocin naturally, which is mm-hmm. the bonding 
neurochemical, which no. is the thing that, you know, when, when a woman's in crisis, she wants to, in these studies, they saw, you know, there's this kind of automatic reaction of wanting to nurture, wow. wanting to bound, bond and bring people together because mm-hmm. we, and that's what oxytocin does. It's the same thing as when you're breastfeeding. That's, that's actually how your milk lets down is because your brain kicks off the oxytocin, you know, and then wow. your breasts fill up and then it's like, oh, I got to feed my, my, my offspring. <laughs> but, um, so we have this idea going back to the boundaries thing that boundaries are somehow um, that, 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 that they are bad basically, or that they're somehow negative. And the, the truth is like with your self care, your self care is a boundary, mm-hmm. not watching those, you know, news shows is your form of self-care and that's having a boundary with yourself mm-hmm. and of what you expose yourself to, you know? So, because really where your attention goes, that's where your energy flows, right. you know? So having discernment and boundaries is not about rejecting the world, you know, and rejecting things um, and kind of being like a, you know, being a hard ass, mm-hmm. You know, having a boundary can be as sacred and as simple also as taking care of yourself, making your self-care as a a priority. And that's really important for empaths and HSPs because paradigm shift. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I find that most, you know, empaths and HSPs, and I know this from my own experience, of course, you know, most of the, most when you say you're really overwhelmed and quote unquote absorbing energy and don't even get me going on that one, nope. but um, <laughs> I will energy. have a boundary and stop myself from going off on that one because yeah. you, you know it's one of my one of my big um, triggers beef. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know when we have the um, wait, what was I saying? Sorry, uh, boundaries. Boundaries. Um, Boundaries. Yeah. So, so often when empaths and HSPs feel completely overwhelmed and highly anxious and like the world is not a, you know, they can't handle being in the world or, or doing, you know, uh, big things like, cause I also work with empathic entrepreneurs of how to be able to step out and be more in the public and be more, um, you know, dedicated to a cause that will get you more exposed and out in the world. Um, often it's, a, it's a, the reason why the overwhelm is there is because there's a lack of boundaries and self-care, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the reason why the feeling like of not being safe uh, is there because they haven't learned yet how to make their energetic and emotional self-care um, and the boundaries with themselves and their discernment, they haven't made it a priority yet. And that does take doing the work and it takes the personal, you know, reflection and it takes working through the mindsets of, um, you know, <clears throat> learning who we are as a sensitive and empath and HSP in the world and how to be that in a, in a strong, healthy way versus a way that we feel, you know, overwhelmed by the world. So. Because it can easily happen. Yes. <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> so can you briefly describe the beautiful gifts you bring to the world in your in your businesses? Um, yes. So soul translation is uh, both a process and a way of living or a way or a concept. Um, it is basically the process of it is, uh, intuitive channeled coaching. Uh, so it is getting in touch with, uh, spiritual guides, um, seeing intuitively being able to see and work with energy and energy blocks. Um, it is uh, a way to be able to translate what, someone is feeling um, about themselves or having dreams or uh, what their desires are from the uh, unseen into real life. 
So soul translation works with individuals as well uh, who are going through some sort of life transition, as well as um, empathic creative entrepreneurs who have some uh, mission inside, something, a dream inside that they then want to, you know, make real in the real world. And that saying the real world, that's of course in air quotes because (laughs) there are a lot of different versions of reality. Um, But, uh, and then the, and then the work that I do with um, the Empowered Empath Soul Camp and Sensate Soul are all about resources and courses to empower empaths, HSPs, and as you said earlier, uh, empreneurs, which are basically, you know, those who are creative and empathic and then helping other people um, through what they, what they do for work as an entrepreneur. And then there's um, something else I'd like to bring up because I have been thoroughly enjoying the insight that you're providing is your book. Oh, yeah. Book, which you just uh, <laughs> very recently, like a week and a half ago, released. Yep. Two weeks ago. Yep. Tell me about that process and why you felt called to do it, because it's really amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you, love. You're welcome. Oh, yeah, that's um, it's my first book. It's called A Year of Empathy, and it's a daily inspirational reader um, to, you know, the, the little tagline of it is to help you uh, elevate, enhance, and embrace your sensitivities uh, so that you can be the true you in all that you do. And um, So beautiful. It's <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's uh, it came through in a in a flurry in the sense of it took four and a half months to write it. Um, That's pretty fast. But it was <laughs> it was. What the hell was I thinking? Well, I wasn't thinking because it just needed to be done. Right. Man, writing a book. Yeah, that is that is a process. It's really it really is a rites of passage um, for sure. And um, I've always wanted to, I've been a writer my whole life, but I've never actually, you know, haven't yet put together a whole book. And now that has happened. And yeah, I got to say, it's funny because I had this idea that writing, uh, I was like, oh, you know, for my first book, I want to do this (laughs) daily reader because gosh, that's going to be a lot easier than writing a whole chapter (laughs) book. (laughs) Because, you know, it's just a daily prompts, you know, a little inspirational hit. And then the today, you know, kind of intentional of the year. (laughs) I know exactly. And I was like, holy crap, there's 365 of these. (laughs) So as a friend of mine said, which I loved, she said, Michelle, you're basically writing a book of 365 cones, you know, like the, the, um, Asian poetry, mm-hmm. you know, um, you're doing 365 of those. Well that's, that's a lot. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, when you put it that way, holy moly. Yeah. And each one is so deep. I mean, it, what's it, that? Each, each day, the, the concept and the, and the intention is just, it's like, oh, I actually have to pause and reflect on this. It's not like a fluffy little, oh, yeah, that's really nice. It's like, no, you actually were putting down really deep, meaningful things that cause us to pause and shift our perspective every single day. Mm. Yeah, it's the, like a bunch of 365 different mindset shifts. Yeah, but, you know, it's funny. Uh, thank you for saying that. And I just, when I was listening to you, I just was like, giggling because it's like you know what yeah us empaths and hsps we don't do surface very much (laughs) so you know writing the 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 little you know handbook for um for for surface inspiration that's not gonna work not where we thrive so yeah you know it does and i mean there is definitely um there's a lot of lightness um in it as well because one thing that, and I know we had originally talked about um, one topic we wanted, we were going to talk about was play. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I hope uh, that the book brings in both the depth and a lot of the delight because those are like two really important ways of being. Mm-hmm. Um, those are like two of my biggest values is to be able to have that, you know, that real, um, to have substance, but to also have the silliness, <laughs> you know, or to have the the depth and also have the delight, like I said, you mm-hmm. know, so because uh, that lightness matters, you know. Oh my gosh, we can yeah. be way too. Um, a lot of empaths and HSPs kind of can have this rep of being kind of serious um, and being, you know, overthinking things. Um, and part of that is, yeah, because I think we uh, learn how to be more in our head um, out of def- out of a defense, out of protection, mm-hmm. um, you know, and. And that that will, you know, part of becoming more of our true self is letting go of that need to always have to be uh, so serious and so thoughtful and so, (laughs) um, you know, always playing in the deep end. You know, Mm -hmm. we we get splash around in the kiddie pool also. And most empaths and HSPs that I know and work with, I've got to say, are have a really silly um, goofy light side mm-hmm. that, you know, we, we uh, hopefully, and I know it's part of my work. Um, and I know it's cause it's also something I've been giving myself more permission to do is to just be silly, to be goofy, to let that light side out more. Because like I said, most empaths that I know are, are really like massive goofballs. You know, I had an experience last night. I was at a, a garden manager meeting uh-huh. and I was talking to this woman at her table and I said, you know, I was pawing through the Baker Heritage seed catalog and mm-hmm. they had this beautiful picture of something I'd only heard of in a song, a pawpaw. And she lit up. She said, I have a pawpaw. I was like, what? You have a papa? And we were just geeking out and playing. And Stephen was in between us and rolling his eyes like, I can't believe you met somebody who has a papa plant. Like, yes, pawpaws. And it's just that that joy. Yeah. It's it 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 doesn't matter what situation you're in, you can yeah. always find joy if you open yourself to it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the, that is, you know, thank you for saying that because that's also one of those big misconceptions about empaths and HSPs um, is that, you know, the best way I can put this is, is that with being a deeply feeling, a deeply sensing person, a sensitive person, you have a really big spectrum of, of, of feeling of emotionality. And because our sensitivity is not always honored or we're not honoring it in ourselves. We've learned to hold back a lot of that enthusiasm, a lot of that joy, a lot Mm -hmm. of the lightness, a lot of that, you know, the the bubbliness Mm -hmm. um, because life can feel pretty intense and can feel more serious when you're more sensitive because you're feeling so much more. But with that, sensitivity comes a really big spectrum. So yeah, you do feel the, you know, the compassion and the empathy. You do feel sometimes the pain of the world more or the pain of others more, but you also have equally, um, an equal level of being able to tap into the joy and the delight and the, the pure, you know, like bliss of being alive in a body with an you know with emotions with a heart with creativity with all of that you know so becoming more of an empowered empath or becoming stronger in who we are means that we get to play in that full spectrum mm-hmm. you know and, and you get to be a light-hearted empath you know because it's it's who you are it's it's just being safe enough and feeling strong enough in ourselves to, to let that out and be that more. Yeah. Um, and we can do that when we have a little, when we have more um, ways and res- uh, reliance on ourselves to be able to take care of ourselves more. 
Um, and that again goes back to those boundaries and discernment and the inner work of energy care plus shifting our mindsets. Um, you know, the inner work part. Yes, have you you heard me think that? <laughs> What's that? You heard me think that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there you know there isn't there isn't a quick fix. There isn't the life hack. Um, I mean, yes, there are ways. Um, there are ways to be able to manage um, ourselves more. You know, there's a lot of self-care. And like one of my main um, tools that I use is EFT uh, because it's a body-based way to be able to work. What is EFT? So EFT is, um, it's the emotional freedom technique. Okay. Um, I also call it the empath freedom technique. (laughs) Um, which is, is just my little coin term on it. Uh, so EFT is working with meridians um, on in the body and working through mindsets or beliefs and being able to uh, tap through. It's a tapping process to be able to work through uh, when you have a limited belief or you have a mindset or an emotional a reaction to something that, you know, oh, there's always the understory, you know, mm-hmm. when we... When get triggered there's something in there for us to look at Mm -hmm. and um you know it goes through a process of being able to tap on different points to be able to it's a whole kind of there's a protocol to it but in essence what it does is helps what i love about it is it 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 puts us back into our body because Mm -hmm. we're not thinking about things we're doing a physical movement Mm -hmm. while we're working through the story of something Mm-hmm. Um, and it also affects because we're working on meridians, it also then affects our energetic system and our nervous system. So, um, and it helps clear energy. So it's just, it's one of my main kind of go-to things to use, um, as well as, you know, I've got more of the quantum work around, uh, energy amending, which is what I do in soul translation. Um, but it's a really quick you know, kind of down and dirty and very powerful little tool to be able to, um, to work through things and be more aware of, of the, the mindsets that are getting in the way and then how to be able to flush them out of our system, shall we say. Indeed. Yeah. It's good stuff. It is good stuff. Cause then you don't have to carry it anymore. Yep. Absolutely. But there's, and getting to the point where it's like, Oh, you know what? I have an awareness now and I have to start taking care of myself. Cause that's, that's something, you know, when we have addictions, we're hiding. Yep. So opening yourself up to the reality that you are a divine being mm-hmm. and you deserve to love yourself as much as you are loved. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean the people, well, it could mean the people around you. And it means all that is in every dimension loves you yeah and you just have to open yourself up to feel that and that's a scary process sometimes but it's also really amazing when you do Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah absolutely and the for those who um sometimes feel like they you know because i get this a lot where people say well i don't feel you know uh other dimensions i don't feel angels i don't feel guides you know uh, um it's really what we believe we will perceive, mm-hmm. you know, or what we expect is what we get, you know, just to use those fun little mm-hmm. quick <laughs> um, memes that really are power packed little, you know, sentences mm-hmm. of truth. They're like little golden nuggets. And if you believe that you are uh, supported, that you are, you know, in a benevolent universe that um, and that you are safe to be who you are, that, that there's, you know, that life has got your back. If you really believe that, then the feeling can then come from the belief, mm-hmm. you know, the experience can come from, from it. So yeah, sure. It's great when we have those experiences, whether it's in a dream state or whether it's through coincidence or, you know, something that gives us that little, you know, nudge that's, Hey, wow, actually, you know what, you know, there is your, (laughs) there is a guide, there is your grandfather or somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, who is, is 
can still connected to you and watching out for you. You know, um, there are those many moments where we can sense and feel things where, you know, our uh, hair goes up on the back of our neck and we feel and know something to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, what we can do when we don't have that happening daily, what we can do is, you know, meditate, move, move energy, you know, do the little things that can bring us back to being present, like activating our senses more, you know, breathing, uh, taking in light and color, smells, you know, all those things that really bring us back into our body. Mm-hmm. and belief working with our mindsets mm-hmm. um you know like just this morning i was i came uh i was doing some uh my own of my own process and uh with somebody that i'm working with and i got i got hit by a really <laughs> nasty old belief oh. um, around uh being uh, who I am and being somebody who has a lot of abundance, you know, like it was basically around money mm-hmm. and holy moly, like, uh, yeah, I was tapping that shit out. Shall we say <laughs> I was doing the EFT and, you know, um, I was having to, you know, I was facing something that was not comfortable mm-hmm. and I had to work through it. Um, and in that process, I got to see, wow, there's a really unhealthy belief here that now, that I'm now aware of mm-hmm. um, that I now can work with. Mm-hmm. And I'm, there's nothing, you know, I'm not bad or wrong for having it. Right. But now that I'm aware of it, now I can start, you know, moving it through and out of my energy system. Mm. So, you know. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Uh, we just got you know, to be willing to, to, to show up for ourselves and, yeah. and do, do that inner work. And that's why I say like, there, there's not a quick fix and there aren't these, there, there, are, there are quick fixes and hacks, but there are little tools that can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And there are ways of seeing and being that can make a difference in the moment, but really it, it takes making your, making yourself a priority. And that is a boundary right there in and of itself. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, Michelle, I just have to add, you know, I love how to playing with words and looking at the word boundary, it's got, you know, bound can tighten you, mm-hmm. but also to bound like you're bounding through the fields, like, you know, the hills are alive to mm-hmm. the sound of music. Bounding also means you can rebound or you can, you know, have the energy to jump for joy. Mm-hmm. So it is both. When we have boundaries, we can also be boundless. Mm. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, honey. How much fun. I think this is a good point for stopping since we've been chatting for about an hour. And I know that the attention span can only take so much. So I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> And have. Likewise. Mm-hmm. But I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be on this and sharing your gifts and helping people with your conversation. Oh, thank you so much, love, for even making this possible and all in the name of love. And you're all about that. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for our friendship and for you know, you making this opportunity to have a, to actually record one of our chats. Cause we talk about like this together all the time on our walks and our lunches. So. <laughs> so now we're just sharing it out with everybody else. So, and I really do, I'm grateful and I'm really hoping uh, for those who hear this, that this will, um, I, I believe with the work that Eric is doing, you know, it's, and with this conversation, I believe it will uh, really help uh, enlighten, or as I joke around, enlighten your life. <laughs> oh, honey, thank you so very much. Absolutely. And I will happily provide all of the links to the works that you're providing when I post the blog. And um, I thank you for your time and your love. Mm, thank you, sweetness. 
So this week's action item is about boundaries. Think about one aspect in your life where you think you could use a boundary. And just try it. Try saying no. Try stepping back and giving yourself some quiet time so you can reflect on what really feels good. That's it for the week. Until next time, I wish you peace, love, and true prosperity. Namaste. Can you help me redefine the truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go.